Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Prog Watch. Tonight, you join us in the far meadow, where the atmosphere is very peaceful and tranquil. Various fish are swimming lazily. And in the distance, formal horses are quietly grazing. Suddenly, the peace is shattered by the arrival of a stampeding herd of Gabriels. And what seems to be a rather oversized tiger moth. Hello, you fellows! It's Pete Jones from Tiger Moth Tales here. You're listening to Prog Watch with Anthony Rosick. Chocks away! <laughs> Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Prague Watch, my friends. This is Big Tony, your friend and host. All set to guide you through another 90 minutes of great music with a very special guest, Mr. Clive Nolan. Those of you who have been following the show for a while will know that I got to speak to the keyboard maestro a few months back and gave you part of that interview in Progwatch 522. Find it at progwatch.com season 5 if you missed it. That's P-R-O-G-W-A-T-C-H, all one word, dot com, season 5, episode 522. In that program, I also covered some of Clive's many musical ventures, including Strangers on a Train, Casino, Shadowland, one of his collaborations with Oliver Wakeman, some stuff from his solo album Alchemy, and a couple from his band Arena. This time around, I'm going to give you a lot more Arena, including a few from the new album Double Vision, a couple from his other collaboration with Oliver Wakeman, their adaptation of The Hound of the Baskervilles, and a few from his theater-oriented project, Camera. That's C-A-A-M-O-R-A. If you are thinking I'm neglecting Pendragon, well, I played a boatload of them in Progwatch 511 and 530, in which I also interviewed Pendragon main man Nick Barrett. So anyway, I've got a lot of stuff lined up for you, including more of Clive's candid interview and mucho musica. Let's get things rolling with a pair from Marina's excellent 2003 release called Contagion. First, we will hear Witch Hunt, 
which will segue into An Angel Falls.
twisted, too delicate to hold. A soulful melody, innocent and pure, rises to the sky and is lost forevermore. As guilt rains down and scars the faith of man, it flows into the ground. We will never wipe the bloodstains from our hands A failing heart, vulnerable and weak Waiting for the moment to beat the final beat Surely there is someone who will reach out Again, that was Witch Hunt and An Angel Falls, both from Arena's Contagion album, released early in this century. Next, let's hear a couple from Clive's second collaboration with Oliver Wakeman. Last time we heard from The Jabberwocky, released in 1999. This time I'm going to play a couple from The Hound of the Baskervilles, which was released in 2002. First, we will hear The Curse of the Baskervilles, and then we'll go straight into Chasing the Hound. Dr. Mortimer was by no means a typical country practitioner. He was clad in a professional but rather slovenly fashion, for his frock coat was dingy and his trousers frayed. Sherlock Holmes waved our strange visitor into a chair and said, Kindly tell me the exact nature of the problem in which you demand my assistance. And so we listened to the strangest tale of an ancient curse and the recent mysterious death of Sir Charles Baskerville. Here in my hand is a statement of fact from a witness beyond reach of time. It alludes to Sir Hugo of Baskerville Hall and his cold, unforgivable crimes. A man of foul humor, his temper was legend. His treatment was rough to the servants and peasants But his judgment time came on Michaelmas Eve In so violent a way that few could believe Sold to the bones by the seeds of his vanity Tatters and shreds from the greed and depravity Stared in the face of the Clumsy seduction They laughed as their conquest Was locked in a room They drank themselves mad 
as she waited her doom. But driven by fear of their shouts in the night, she climbed down the wall and ran for her life. Torn to the bone by the seeds of his vanity, tatters and shreds from the greed and depravity. With Holmes accepting the case, we immediately went to meet Sir Henry Baskerville, heir to the estate. He had recently arrived from America and was residing at the Northumberland Hotel. We were shown to his rooms and he greeted us with a look of bewilderment on his face. Following a brief introduction, he handed Holmes a mysterious letter which had been anonymously delivered. It read, As you value your life or your reason, keep away from the moor. An ominous warning indeed.
As the form of the hound came into view, Holmes and I fired together, and the creature gave a hideous howl. It did not pause, however, but bounded onwards towards Sir Henry. Never have I seen a man run as Holmes ran that night. But the next instant, Holmes had emptied five barrels of his revolver into the creature's flank. With a final howl, the giant hound lay dead. We returned to Merripit House to find Stapleton gone and Beryl bound and gagged in the attic. As she sheltered in Sir Henry's arms, she told of Stapleton's flight into the Grimpen Mire, which due to the heavy fog must surely have spelt his doom. The case was closed. Again, that was The Curse of the Baskervilles and Chasing the Hound, both from Clive Nolan and Oliver Wakeman's collaboration, The Hound of the Baskervilles, released in 2002. Now let's get into some of my interview with Mr. Clive Nolan. So uh, you mentioned before uh, Nick Barrett, and I, I spoke to Nick a while back, and he was talking about the 40th anniversary celebration. So you've been involved in quite a uh, quite a lot of those 40 years did you ever think that pendragon would go on that long um i don't think you really think how long a band's going to go on for i mean we sort of you know sometimes we'll joke oh god if we're still here in 10 years time such and such but i, I don't think we really think about it. i think probably when i first joined pendragon and i've been in it probably about 30 of those 40 years um we had conversations and there was certainly a period of time where we probably thought we'd be amazing if we were still together like in a year's time. Um, but if you get past that, it's, uh, you know, if you can get past all the sort of the normal early problems that a, a younger band will have, then uh, there's nothing really to stop you carrying on as, you know, as long as, long as you're still there and you still want to do something like that. So yeah, Pendragon's done really well. So I mean, 40 years, that's, that's a hell of a long time. Yeah. I mean, that was, the first gig, the first Pendragon existence was 
literally the day uh, Nick Barrett walked out of his school at the age of 16, you know, it's that sort of thing. So, um, uh, yeah, it's it's got history. But, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm very pleased that it has done it. I mean, Pendragon is very... It's a very sort of family sort of setup. I mean, you know, uh, Peter's been in the band for most of that 40 years. I've known Nick since well before he ever formed Pendragon. Uh, so it's, you know, we kind of go back a long way. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And I guess, like you said, if you get past those years when uh, everyone's young and, and, and knows the only way to do it, if you can get past that, get a little maturity and perspective, yeah, there's probably no reason why you can't. Unless you just find that you yeah. totally hate each other, which that happens in some bands after a while. It just seems... Uh, yeah, you hear that, though, don't you? With some bands who are very successful very quickly, as a young band, and it all happens very quickly, and they sort of split up, and it's very acrimonious. And then many, many years later, they come back together to do some kind of reunion, and they'll be interviewed, and they almost always say, I'll tell you what, it's much better this time around than it was the first time around. It's kind of, you know, you, you, you kind of get, yeah, mature. Yeah, older, a little wiser. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting that you did a couple of albums with Oliver Wakeman. How did that pan out with two really good keyboard players working on the same project like that? Um, it was good fun, to be honest. It's uh, a long time ago now, but uh, it was good fun. I mean, it wasn't uh, wasn't really a battle of keyboard players because what we tended to do was meet out the work. So we, we sort of created our storyline uh, for the Jabberwocky and for um, Hound of the Baskervilles. Mm-hmm. And then we sort of gradually work, well, I'm going to do this song about the bit where that happens and you're going to work on that one and you want to do that ballad. And, you know, we sort of bring material to the table and then sort of go off and work. And then and then I sort of produced it along the line at the end just to kind of, so things were consistent. Um, but it was, it was a reasonably uh, painless process, actually. It worked quite well. It wasn't uh, stressful. It was good. And it's a shame we never managed to do more, really. We're, we always had a plan to do a third one, but it's it's all a question of budget. You know, we didn't, there was no record company support, so there was no budget. Therefore, it just, you know, just wasn't really practical for us to do it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that record company, you uh, you have your own for all the arena stuff, right? We, we do. Well, it was actually the record company that did uh, Hound of the Baskervilles as well. Uh, and Jabberwocky, but uh, yeah, we we formed Verglass, or Mick and I formed Verglass as a as a kind of a a medium through which to bring Arena because we, you know, as as so often with these things, we didn't get offered a record deal, so we thought, well, we'll do it ourselves. How's that panning out? I mean, the business side does that? Uh, I don't know. That uh, I leave more to Mick. That's uh, my not my not my strength, but uh, yes, I mean it, it's it's okay. I. I it's not really a typical record company. We're not. We're, I mean, we did bring out other stuff for a while, and there was a period uh, where where we were more kind of active as a record company. But now, it's really just a name that exists. So when we decide to do something with Arena, it comes out through Verglass, and it's it's a tool by which we can use that. But uh, it's not like we're sort of you know we haven't got an office for twenty four hours a day. We're going to get another. So it's yeah. not that kind of thing. It's it's just a a label name to give us some kind of uh, coating. Okay. So uh, back to the uh, the Jabberwocky, the Hound of the Baskervilles, and uh, also with Strangers on a Train, you had the key parts one and two. They all were very strongly conceptual, story-driven kind of records. Was that an early foreshadowing of uh, Kimura? I would imagine it probably was. I mean, I've always been 
I've always been driven by 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 sort of the storylines and, and visual elements. I mean, I have never, apart from one piece of music, I've said this before, but apart from one piece of music, I have never written anything for any of these bands that hasn't been driven by a story or a visual element. It's always got that. So it's, I don't. I don't write. Um, uh, what's, I can't think of what the word is at the moment. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's always uh, there's always some kind of a story. The, the, the one piece I wrote was just music and didn't have anything to tell beyond the fact that it was music. It was a piece I did uh, with Martin Orford for a, uh, a like a compilation album that SI Music many many years ago were doing. And we just called it no, no Norfolk, because it also made it kind of made a smile because it wasn't yes. Yeah, uh, and uh, <laughs> it was a kind of uh, uh, you know it was it was just a piece of music. But everything else I've written is always I've got, I, I need to have that kind of visual or storyline element before I can really write. Even if I'm writing a song, you know, until I know that uh, I'm in a street and it's foggy and it's 1827 and it's raining or whatever, then then I can start to kind of feel what the music would sound like. Interesting approach, yeah. Um, so speaking of Kimura, uh that seemed like that was a slightly different route in the formation of, of that project. The early stuff was uh, with, uh, now I'm going to say this really badly, Agnish, Agnishka Suita, is that anywhere near close? Very close. Okay. Yeah, yes. Okay. So uh, yeah, yeah, it was kind of a co collaboration. There was there a, cr a creative dynamic uh, that took well, you I mean, in it. What happened was that she gave me the um, uh, the route by which I could get into this thing. So I mean, I built up a certain amount of reputation, and I had deals with companies and things, so that I, I sort of had a platform to stand on at that stage. Because musicals have always been a part of my life. I mean, as a child, my parents took me to see them. Uh, I listened to them a lot as well. So they, they, the, again, the world of storytelling through music and opera as well. And in the back of my mind, there was always this thought that one day perhaps I could write one. Um, but obviously, you know, you you can't just make a decision like that. It's there are practicalities to you know to look at, and there wasn't really an outlet through which I could do it. And then uh, around the time where perhaps I had enough credibility to consider doing this, Agnieszka turned up on the doorstep and um, I just thought, wow, she, if, you know, if anyone looked and came across as this kind of queen character from she, she the first, yeah, yeah um, she does. And I, I you know, my, it was like the worst pickup line in the world. I had never met her before. And the first thing I said to her was, I don't suppose you can sing, can you? Um, <laughs> And uh, it kind of went from there. And, yes, she was very much a part of that whole uh, process that we did, particularly for the She album. Um, because she lived in Poland, she moved over here, so she was living in this house for a period of time. Um, and so every time, you know, it was like a sort of crazy writing. I'd write something and she'd be there, right, let's record it. You know, we could do it straight away. It was like having this sort of singer on hand at all times. So I wrote a lot of material and uh, obviously that gradually turned into the whole she thing and 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 that developed even there it was kind of still and uh, i had a record a record label that was immediately prepared to do it uh, metal mind which is fantastic um but even then it was still sort of seen to be a little bit of a kind of well, we'll call it a rock opera maybe a concept of let's keep our feet in the the prog waters whereas what i really wanted to do was simply write a musical um and and not necessarily <laughs> it to be progressive rock that's not what well, that wasn't the point of it but uh i think she remained relatively safe 
Um, and then gradually with Alchemy and uh, King's Ransom, I was able to kind of make that whole world a much more independent life, basically. Yeah, so you jumped ahead on a couple of my questions there. Let's, uh, I'm recalculating, recalculating. Oh. <laughs> no, so uh, uh, you have said on one or two occasions that if you could concentrate solely on the theatrical productions, you would be happy. Is that a fair comment? Yes, I think, I mean, if I'm being honest, it would be just think the thing I'd like to do um, the most. It's my passion. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I get a lot of satisfaction out of doing it. It's also, of course, as always, I've managed to choose one of the most expensive and difficult things to go for because, uh, you know, not only are you trying to write, a, a, a you know, a, a piece of music that's kind of two hours long and it's all got to sort of hang together as one one event, but you're also dealing with a cast, which means you've got, you know, you could be dealing with anything from 10, 20, 30 people uh, and sound engineers and stagehands and goodness knows what. I mean, it's financially, it's a nightmare. Um, but, uh, you know, no, never let that stop me. Um, so um, basically it is something I would like to, you know, keep moving forward and I'd love to see greater and greater results. But we, you know, We've had a few successful battles over the over the last ten years with it, and uh, I, you know, I, I hope that we can still move move it forward. Um, you know, each time I've done something, I mean, particularly with Alchemy and King's Ransom, that are kind of related. Um, you know, things have moved forward and, and possibilities have opened up. So um, I am hopeful that more will come of it. So yeah, I mean, you seem to have uh, like more global success, maybe with Kimura, where you're. What you had performances in Uruguay, for example. So do you did a gig in Uruguay? We actually performed She in uh, Bolivia, uh -huh. um, and and I have performed songs from the musicals in Uruguay, in Argentina, in Canada, uh, and then closer to home, we've been out. We've obviously performed and recorded DVDs of uh, She and Alchemy in mm -hmm. Poland. We performed the whole show as a concert version in Holland and uh, in Germany. Um, we performed songs from it in France and Belgium. And, of course, we've done theatre performances over here in the UK. So, it's yes, it has. Uh, when I think of it like that, it's done pretty well. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, great. <laughs> Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Clive Nolan from Arena, Pendragon, and indeed Canberra, and you're listening to Prog Watch. Next up, we are going to hear a few from Clive's theatre-oriented project, Camera, from the album She in 2008. First, we will hear The Storm, and then we will go directly into Ambush.
understand how to comprehend where this strange adventure leads. Standing here, our road away. Fortune was our friend, luck was our defense. But is it what it seems? Are we saying? Could we be wrong? Should we stay? Or should we run? Too late now. We'll find out soon. Shattering this sanctuary. Where are these doubts coming from? What is this ghostly sign of shadows dancing in my For the truth behind legends and beliefs Are we saying could we be wrong? Should we stay or should we run? Too late now, we'll find out soon Shattering this sanctuary Where are these doubts coming from? Such traditions
That was The Storm and Ambush, both from the Camera album She in 2008. Now let's hear the rest of my interview with Clive Nolan himself. Um, I don't know, maybe if you don't want to answer this, but is it kind of like Arena and Pendragon kind of like funding your real passion to do that? Is that, is it a situation where, you know, you do that because financially, you know, for the financial reasons to uh, make some money to support your theater habit as it were? (laughs) To a great extent, there is truth in that. I mean, uh, you know, it's like, I guess any, any, any person out there has got, you know, it's like the guy with the expensive hobby. You know, it may be, it might be sort of fast boats or uh, maybe his passion is in his car or cars. My, my expensive hobby is, is the musicals. And I say it's a hobby, not, not because I don't work hard on it, but because I've yet to really make money out of it. Whereas obviously with Arena and Pendragon, it, it's more of a, a living and the studio and all the other stuff I do. So obviously the money goes from there and then goes into the black hole that is the, the musicals. Yes, quite a lot of the time. <laughs> In fact, I'm doing this arena tour to pay back the debts from the last show that we did with King's Ransom, really. So. Really? <laughs> well, a little bit. <laughs> so, um, yeah, do you have any definite plans for any more musical or theater type? You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's, um, uh, there's now a, 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 a theater company. It's rather a grandiose word, but a group of people in Norway who've taken up the, uh, the baton as well. So they, we have this thing called Karma in Norway. And they performed uh, Alchemy uh, back in, I don't know, May last year. Um, and that was fantastic. It was like concert version of the musicians, the cast. I think the only person who came from the UK was me to play Professor King. Everybody else was local, as it were, to Norway. Uh, they're now preparing. They're just about to launch, in fact, on the 15th. So that's, what is that, Sunday, I think. They're about to launch their campaign to perform King's Ransom which will be performed next year. So they are very active. In the meantime, we've done concerts with them, uh, theatre shows. I've been over and, uh, sorry, I've been over to do uh, like fundraiser, house gigs, uh, little shows, all as part of this kind of movement forward to do things out there. So there's there's quite an active world of karma happening in Norway, uh, which is fantastic. Because I mean, a lot of that happens without me having to do anything, which is, really good considering you know time is obviously the biggest enemy with these things Mm -hmm. and and over here um i hope to take things forward because there's the whole film uh possibility that's that's kind of kicked in now and um do do you know about that no no i don't okay well um Right. Where does this begin? A couple of years ago, we we performed Alchemy in what they call Off West End, like you have Off Broadway. We have sure. Off West End in London, uh, and we we t- I took it there for a week, and we did did, did the show. And unbeknownst to me, uh, uh, this film director came to the show. I knew nothing about that at the time. He really enjoyed Alchemy. I mean, really enjoyed it. Um, and then we all went our different ways. I never saw or heard anything about it. But then about a year later. Uh, we put She back on uh, in a theatre production in uh, Cheltenham, which is a few hours away from London. Um, and uh, basically, he came to that show, so he introduced himself then, and we got talking. And the upshot of it was that he really wanted to turn Alchemy into a movie. Um, and and then, obviously, once he got his hands on King's Ransom, he was equally, if not more, keen to turn that one into a movie. But because they go together... He wants to do both of them. So they, his company have set up like a sub-company or whatever you call it, uh, 
called the Professor King Chronicles, and basically we're working towards turning the the two musicals into films. Um, I, I, you know, obviously we ain't talking the hundred million budget that you might get for the X Men, but on the other hand, it will be a fantastic project and something really great to do if we can make it, you know, work. So it's all an hour. At the moment, we're we're working on the script to try and work out how to make it, uh, you know, film friendly. But in the meantime, uh, we also, we, I say we, and it's more they really, but have to raise the budget of which, you know, it could be, well, you know, it's maybe we're aiming for about a million pounds because a British production like that, it might be possible. And we'll make the films back to back. So that that's all kind of moved into place as well. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so I forgot to mention Shadowland along the way, uh, your project with Carl Groom. It's been a while since you had uh, anything out with those guys, but uh, John Mitchell recently surprised me and a lot of other people, I think, with a new Kino record. So uh, are there any plans to revive Shadowland? Well, not quite yet, but it's never, it's never too far away. I mean, because Carl's literally downstairs now. The studio's downstairs. He works there virtually every day. So we see each other nearly every day and it, it comes up in conversation I, I do actually have a plan um uh, which, which will sort of involve shadowland the, 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 i've got a sort of a, a plan to do this um well it's a rock opera this time not a musical but basically it's a slightly more touring friendly uh, idea and it's a thing called dark fables which is uh very, very different to the the things i've done before it's based on music that i've sort of written over the last well, any anything over the last lifetime, and it will be uh, it will feature three or four singers and a band, and and you know it's it's designed to be a lot more of a concert experience. We don't have to get a theatre, and it doesn't have to cost millions of pounds to do. Uh, and the heart of that uh, music, well, some of it at least, will be Shadowland. So it won't literally be the band coming out again, but the music will continue to exist in some form as one of the projects I've got planned over the next year or two. Okay, so uh, summing up, I guess, you've got a new arena record and you're going to be touring with that, with The Visitor. Yeah. And uh, the new record, the mm -hmm. entire Visitor. You've also got the Pendragon 40th anniversary stuff coming up later in the year. That's right, yeah. And, and Pendragon is doing Cruise to the Edge next year as well, apparently. Okay. And uh, this new thing here where you are looking to do some film. That's uh, very interesting. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Well, I think you've covered, uh, I think you've covered all the things that we've got planned, at least for now. Um, and... Um, I know we're coming out to Canada with Arena, but I don't think we're making it as far as America at the moment. So we'll have to see what we can do about that at some point. It's always a little bit harder to get out there, really. That's the trouble. Yeah, I, I realize the cost. cost. Organize, and obviously it's costing you know, a lot of money to get out there. I, I find it easier, to, for personally, I find it easier to go out and play in South America for some reason. I don't know why, but there you go. Um, anyway, yes, I mean, I think you've covered it very well. So I, I just hope people will take the chance to kind of have a listen to the new album and, uh, you know, see what we've been up to for the past God knows how many years. So when is the album due? Um, I think officially it's, it's on release at the end of May. If you happen to come to any arena gigs, then obviously you'll be able to buy it at the gigs. So we're sort of selling it at the gigs and then officially releasing it at the end of the tour, which is, I don't know, about the 26th of May. 
So I hope you enjoyed sitting in on my interview with Clive Nolan. Big thanks to Clive for taking the time to chat with me, and to our man, the doctor, Rob Fisher, for helping to set it up and brainstorming on some great questions. Before we break and come back with a couple from the new Arena album, including a 22 and a half minute epic, let's get in one more from one of my favorite Arena albums, Contagion. This is Skin Game.
skin game by Arena from their 2003 release, Contagion. Don't go anywhere. Prague Watch will be right back. The vinyl may be gone. The album art may be a JPEG. Radio lives on forever. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, as promised, we are going to finish up the program with nearly 30 minutes of fabulous music from the new Arena album called Double Vision. First, we will hear Red Eyes, and then we will move straight into the epic of the album, The Legend of Elijah Shade.
have seen me before In the myths and the legends But I'm not as you think I should be A monster that feeds on the human desire to be free Enslaving the spirit He dines on the souls Of the ones far too weak to escape He has walked amongst men Since no one knows when If he's seen, it's already too late You Surprise I am here 
better all for us I am here to heal you To lift that curse I am here Though you throw me down to hell Despite your fears Only time can tell But every time I walk Count.
Once again, that was Red Eyes and The Legend of Elijah Shade, both from the great new Arena album, Double Vision. So I hope you enjoyed this program, and also the first part of my Clive Nolan coverage in Prague Watch 522. As always, thanks for coming along for the ride. If you want to reach me by email, or tag along, or contact me on Facebook or Twitter, please visit progwatch.com, P-R-O-G-W-A-T-C-H dot com. Across the top of the homepage, there are links for all of those things, plus ones for subscribing to the podcast or supporting the show if you are so inclined. Any support is much appreciated, as I have many hours invested in this program each week, and I do incur monetary costs to bring the show to you each and every week. At progwatch.com, you can also search for artists I have featured and explore the postings for each show, where I always have artist website links and links to Rob Fisher's work when we do a progressive discovery segment. I wish you all the best until we meet again next week. Please be good to each other and prog on, my brothers and sisters. Yeah.